0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere. They go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. Now, here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of United Soccer coaches, Dean Linke.
1: I am Dean Linke. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It is presented by League Apps, and we do indeed have five, yes, five special guests on this week's show. We start with Thomas Newkirk, who is a civil rights attorney representing coaches throughout the United States. His area of interest and specialty is implicit bias and the impact on the college coach in intercollegiate athletics. Thomas will have a can't-miss session at this year's convention on Thursday, January 12th. The title of his session is called The Role of Implicit Bias and Gender Socialization in the Destruction of Coaching. This session takes on this difficult topic and puts us on a path toward a solution, one that is fair to athletes and fair to coaches, a solution that is backed by science and the reality of how great coaching works to benefit great athletes. There is something you can do about it. Listen to learn, speak to educate, join in as individuals, and then stand up as a profession. Thomas will kick off the show. After Thomas, Chris Sharman, founder of Topodium Group, an organization that is working with United Soccer Coaches on graphics, branding, and marketing, will join the show to talk about building a successful soccer brand for your player, club, association, or product. Chris will be doing two member benefit webinars leading into the convention. He will be doing a session on marketing and branding, and then they are offering a paid six-week online marketing workshop at a special rate for our members and convention attendees. You will like Chris Sharman. Colgate women's soccer coach Lindsay Holkinson, a former United Soccer Coach's 30 Under 30 member, will present on January 12th at 1 p.m., and her topic is titled... Facilitating a culture that empowers positive relationships amongst your team. She is on today's show. After her, it's time to give some love to head coach Chris Rich, who has the UNC Greensboro men's soccer team in the Elite Eight. As the number 12 overall seed, they get to host the eight-time national champion and number 13 seed Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday, and Chris Rich is on the show. And finally, we end with former Davidson head coach Matt Speer, who now makes a career out of making sure we are all okay, that we are not stretched too far, not burn out, not stressed. Matt Speer is the founder of Love United FC, specializing in mental, physical fitness, purpose, performance, leadership development, and career coaching. Jeff Van Dusen, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, recently hired Matt Speer as our new well being advisor for the national office staff, and Matt Spear will also be at the convention. So what a show. Thomas Newkirk, Chris Sharman, Lindsey Hokinson, Chris Rich, and Matt Spear. And we get it all started after this message from our presenting sponsor,
0: League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back-office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform, so you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linke.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. We've got a fascinating show today, including multiple presenters, and our next presenter at the convention in January will be presenting on January 12th at 4 o'clock. The title will be: Check this out, folks, The Role of Implicit Bias and Gender Socialization in the Destruction of Coaching. Who will be making that presentation? Well, an impressive man, Thomas Newkirk. Thomas Newkirk's experience is that of a civil rights attorney. And over the last 20 years, he has developed a specialization in implicit bias and its impact on decisions. He uses that knowledge to educate coaches and universities on how implicit bias, gender, and race affects decisions and decision-making processes. He is available for a consultation to design more consistent and de-biased responses to complaints that benefit the profession of coaching, the athletes, and the educational institution. Quite impressive indeed. He's given hundreds of speeches to hundreds of big-time clients and organizations. We'll have more on that in a little bit, but first let me welcome in thomas newkirk thanks for joining the united soccer coaches podcast
2: thanks dean glad to be here
1: yeah and i really want to dive right in because most of our guests are focused on the convention you will be in philadelphia i want to say that title again it's four o'clock on thursday the 12th your presentation is called the role of implicit bias and gender socialization in the destruction of coaching you've got the floor mr newkirk tell us what that means and what you hope to accomplish
2: Sure. I know it's kind of a fancy long title, but it really gets to the heart of what's going on with coaching today. I'm certain that every coach is going to attend this convention and and not just soccer in every sport is having trouble with what I'll call the student athlete complaint phenomena, the systemic destruction of primarily female coaches, but now it's bleeding into male coaches across the United States where universities and other organizations will take A complaint of standard coaching behavior that's labeled as abuse, and they'll investigate, undermine, suspend, and terminate the coach. And for a female, particularly, it ruins her entire career. And again, for men, you're next. It's coming for you.
1: You, in your own words, say this session takes on this difficult topic and puts us on a path toward a solution, one that is fair to athletes and fair to coaches a solution that is backed by science and the reality of how great coaching works to benefit great athletes. There's something you can do about it. Listen to, learn, speak to, educate, join in as individual, and then stand up as a profession. Can you expound on that? And you also kind of have questions that you ask yourself and you ask the people
2: that attend your sessions. Sure. The first thing you got to understand is the science behind it. Okay. I'm not, even though I'm a lawyer, that's my day job. I've developed a specialization in implicit bias and gender and other forms of bias affecting in particular athletics. Okay. And that's the key is that there are three different or four different aspects of this. There's gender bias toward women in really simple terms, a female in a coach's job is acting in the role of a male. And therefore we have a lack of fit and bluntly male and female athletes don't always feel comfortable with it at a subconscious level. They react differently to her. They view her Raising her voice is screaming when it's not. They view her as being abusive when she's not. That's number one. The second layer of this is called gender socialization. What that means simply is we raise our young male and female children so to socialize them in different ways. You know, We raise young women to raise concerns about their emotional and physical well-being differently than we raise young men. It does not mean that women are weak. It does not mean that men are stronger than women. It means nothing like that. We're socializing people to bring forward their concerns differently. That's the second one. The third one is that administrations will respond differently to a complaint of a male athlete compared to a female athlete. So if a male athlete has emotional concerns, they're not going to listen to him as much. If a female athlete has emotional concerns, they're going to react to her more in in a patronizing way, oddly. What happens is is that they focus these complaints primarily on women. But what happens is, is that there's a systemic lowering of the bar of what good coaching is. Meaning that standard coaching, which I think any human being would view as great, can now be defined as abuse because as the biases interpret the behavior of a coach, it kind of lowers the bar to where anything can be labeled as abuse. So that's just the scientific aspect of it. And you've got to get your mind around that because there's first before you can even begin to take this on. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
1: We have 30,000 members. Pretty much all of them are coaches. Maybe not all of them. There's a few administrators. But you say in some of your dialogue here that you know you are engaging in the profession of coaching using the highest standards and work every day to mentor athletes of every age. Yet these complaints continue. And of course, we know what you're talking about, complaints from the athletes about abuse, you know, maybe calling somebody fat, things like that. You see that they, infect every sport and appear to be escalating, even while you and your colleagues modify your actions, speak softer, work harder, and try your best to anticipate problems of the modern young athlete. Is this the new normal?
2: And if so, I'm asking you now, is coaching as a profession under threat? I believe coaching as a profession is under threat. Let me tell you something. I'm not, I wasn't a division one athlete. You know, I engage in some sports like all human beings do at some level, but I respect it. I have seen what the process of division one, division two, division three athletics can do for a young person to develop them as a character, to make them stronger, not weaker, to mentor them, to to make them a a better person than they, they might otherwise be. So I know it's valuable and helpful, But what's happening is, is that there is a certain percentage of athletes who have a negative reaction to that coaching process, which is again, to be expected, it's a tough process, who are then labeling individuals as abusive, who are not abusive. And I focus on women a lot, folks, and hopefully the men hear this too, because this is for men and women, both that women are engaged, you know, women engage in normal standard coaching, just like the men do, but they get these complaints of, she, she, she called me fat when of course the female coach is never using the word fat. All coaches today, there's no more dinosaur coaches out there calling people fat. You all understand, you talk about weight and fitness in terms of fitness. You all know that. But what happens is the athlete will quote hear, hear the labeling of someone as fat when they're not using the word fat. They're just talking about fitness. But the, the athlete will internalize it as an insult to their weight and then repeat it as the coach called me fat. That's just one example of how an athlete who's not necessarily lying, my friends, that's the insidious problem here. It's not that the athletes are necessarily lying. Most of them are not lying. They have a feeling that they're being abused, that they're being harmed. But the problem is the coach is not engaging in any behavior that should rationally be labeled as abusive. That's the challenge. And and you've got to understand how these bias works at a subconscious level to cause athletes, good athletes, good fine people, to misinterpret a female in this way, and then to misinterpret feelings they may have that may be legitimate as warranting the label of abuse. And then in the meantime, administrations enable this and say, oh my gosh, you've called someone abuse. We must investigate it. We must look into this as though you've been harmed. When you're not talking about abuse that's sexual, you're not talking about physical abuse. You're only talking about the differential reaction to a coach engaging in normal coaching methodologies, some of which, by the way, are stressful as a matter of necessity. Through all of that, you
1: point blank ask the question, what can you do about it? And then you say there is something you can do. And this session that we'll have at the convention as well as all of the other speeches you give will take on this difficult topic and put us on a path toward a solution. Obviously, we don't have the full hour like you'll have at the presentation or when you give these incredible speeches to these incredible organizations but in your best way, help
2: us on that path toward a solution. Sure. The first step is that you've got to get your mind how gender works. Again, it's it's bias works across a host of systems. It harms African-Americans in the, in the policing system. That's one way. Gender affects women in athletics, both as athletes and as coaches. It also has an effect on male athletes, by the way. For example, the fact that we don't react to males who actually have mental health issues can actually harm male athletes as well the point is is that no one's getting their brain around it and men need to get their brain around it too because this process of enabling gender bias is causing you harm but you've got to get your mind around it because it's working at a subconscious level and it's hard to understand an hour is not going to do it 20 minutes ain't going to do it your normal bias one-on-one training ain't going to do it you've got to do more than that second thing is coaches must band together you must band together If you, there's, I can't do this one speech at a time, one client at a time, until 500, 5,000, 30,000 coaches or more join together and say, enough is enough. Here is what we want to happen. This is going to keep bleeding you dry. The third thing is you have to, coaches, when you band together, you have to demand that you set standards. Here's the dirty secret, Dean. There are no standards in coaching. I know you think that maybe there are, y'all kind of know where the line is, but no one's ever had a conversation about, hey, what do we do with an athlete when we talk about fitness or whatever? Are we okay with this language? What do we do with dealing with mental health issues? How are we responding to that? Can we use foul language? How can we use foul language? Can we put pressure on an athlete? Can we show disappointment in an athlete? Can we punish an athlete or rather hold them accountable in some way? And are we doing so consistently? And if you engage in standardized coaching, therefore, Dean, the key to this is why standards matter. If you set standards and you're within those standards, you can't label a person as abusive for being within those standards, Dean. For example, I'm speaking here to you. I'm speaking in a normal voice. I have a little bit of passion in my voice. If we were not on a podcast, I might use some foul language every once in a while to make a point. I talk super fast sometimes, but the fact that people who hear me may say, oh, that Tom made me feel bad. He made me feel that he was abusing me or bullying me. doesn't make it true. Because I'm engaging in normal behavior of a person in my profession, you don't get to define me as abusive just because you feel that way. That's what coaches need to get to. and need to understand that there's lines where this is not abusive, no matter how it makes someone feel full stop, especially in division one, two and higher and, and athletics. You got to talk about the elephants in the room. I think is the fourth thing. I'm on the fourth thing, and that is this: there are differences in how men and women react to coaching. But of course, we must coach men and women equally, or we're going to go backwards. You've got to have the conversation at least, so you can talk about it. There are huge mental health issues in college. You've got to talk about those differences, and you've got to talk about this. I think, Dean. I believe, and maybe I hope the thirty thousand coaches agree with me, and they and, and athletes do too. Stress, physical stress, emotional stress is part and parcel of what is required to be a successful elite athlete, full stop. If I want to go change my body and my mind to become an athlete at age 58, how difficult is that going to be for me to do so? How much pain and physical stress and emotional worry and doubt am I going to have to go through to make that happen for me? And that's the same thing's true with your 18 or 22 years old. You've got to have that stress as part of the success, but no one talks about it. And then all of a sudden you've got this stress that's part of the deal. The athlete then says, I'm going to label some of that stress as abusive and I'm going to blame the coach for it when that's just the nature of the beast, my friends. It doesn't mean that anybody needs to be Bobby Knight. People don't need to be touching people, grabbing people, calling people's names, sexualizing people. We all know those lines are re- out of bounds. I'm not arguing for old school coaching. I'm talking about the modern athlete requires stress and you've got to have that conversation. So those are just some four basic steps that need to be taken. But the main message to your audience is band together now, or you're going to regret it. Not you're going to regret it. if you don't already regret it now,
1: we don't regret having you on and we love your passion and your wisdom. You're hearing it from Thomas Newkirk, who's a civil right attorney. He got his law degree from Drake Representing coaches throughout the United States, his area of interest and specialty is implicit bias and the impact on the college coach and intercollegiate athletics. He has written something called Implicit Gender Bias Brief, reducing effects on implicit bias on student-athlete complaints. You have heard some of those comments in what he has said today with that passion. And by the way, you are allowed to cuss on this podcast if you need to, Mr. Newkirk, feel free to do that. But I do want to read one of the paragraphs here. It says, gendered differences in an athlete's decision to report and school administration's response to a reported concern affects all sports. They place a coach at risk from different reporting patterns and types of complaints depending on gender of the sport and create a differential response and administration to those complaints based on the gender of the athletes. Universities should seek to avoid these differential responses? You
2: say it, you wrote it, how do they do it? Well, they have to train themselves on gender 101. I mean, Dean, I I cannot emphasize this more thoroughly. I don't don't define myself as a lawyer because there's absolutely zero, zero about being a lawyer that gives me knowledge of this area. I had to go teach myself this stuff over 20 years. In fact, most lawyers don't know Jack about this issue because they've never looked at it. And There's nothing about being a college administrator or an HR professional to give someone knowledge to. This is about understanding the operation of bias and socialization, and how it works on our brains at a very, very high and, and or a micro level. It's very difficult to understand for the average, the average person, let alone or even the HR the HR professional. You've got to educate yourself on this front. You have to figure out how to talk about it. For example, Dean. I'm talking about issues of gender and and athletes who have alleged abuse. Okay, what have I, what have I done? I tried to say I'm not victim blaming. I'm not calling people liars. I'm not saying that you know women are weaker than men because they're clearly not. I have to define my terms and say we need to treat people equally. We need to be able to remove gender and other forms of bias from the process of coaching to and then define what coaching is as a good thing to, so the coaches can do their job in the way that they expect and we expect that's what i would say and and trying to and and you've got to get your mind around it first before you can even begin to unravel that kind of complex sentence you you
1: read earlier folks make sure you go to this session it's thursday january 12th at four o'clock in philadelphia the title is the role of implicit bias and gender socialization in the destruction of coaching you can also learn more about thomas newkirk implicit bias campus llc Can I give your email, Thomas? Is that okay? Yes. Thomas.Newkirk, N-E-W-K-I-R-K at implicitbias.com. Two more questions for you. The first one will be me reading the last paragraph of this incredible brief called Implicit Gender Bias Brief, Reducing Effects of Implicit Bias on Student-Athlete Complaints. I'm going to read it and get your response. Then I'll have one more question for you, Thomas Newkirk. Reading from your brief, it says, coaches need knowledge of how bias creates risk for their programs. Administration needs the same information to ensure that the response to complaints is consistent with the program, student-athlete welfare, and university policy. Without this information, the complaints continue. Female coaches are harmed, resources are wasted, and coaching as a profession is undermined. There is a better way but that path requires information regarding the causes of complaints and the impact of bias.
2: Your response to that final paragraph on your great brief. Sure. There is a better way, Dean. I say this to universities every time I write to them on behalf of an individual coach and when I got my lawyer hat on and when I educate them, there is a better way. I know that universities are just as frustrated as anyone to dealing with what they view as potentially petty complaints or complaints that are sincere, that they really mean the athlete is suffering, but they don't know how to separate the wheat from the chaff. They don't know how to separate the complaint that might be abuse. Everyone's afraid of Larry Nassar number two, when that's not what 99.9% of all coaches are doing. That's what everyone's afraid of. And you've got to be able to understand not only the coaches need to understand this, but administrations need to understand that there is a better way forward. One where you educate the athlete, you educate the coach, you educate administration, You create a protocol that is designed to separate the wheat from the chaff to be sure that you're, quote, catching the potential Larry Nassar's of the world or catching the potential soccer coach who may be actually sexualizing his athletes or hitting on them. But you let everyone else through who's doing a great job coaching these young individuals working their butts off doing it. As I mentioned earlier, Tom
1: Newkirk has given presentations and speeches at multiple Mm -hmm. entities, he's done it for the NWACP, he's done it for the Iowa State Bar, he's done it for great universities like Rutgers University, like Harvard University, like Seattle, like Berkeley, he's done it for Drake University, his alma mater, which is outstanding as well, he's done it for the Public Defenders Association of Iowa, and he's going to do it for the United Soccer Coaches again on that Thursday. As we end Tom Newkirk, if Folks didn't hear anything but this final comment about what you want to accomplish on that Thursday at four o'clock with your presentation. Now's your chance
2: to get your point across. My final point is there is a better way. Folks coaches need to band together to make that happen. You know, you know how hard your work is becoming. You understand it. Every text you have to respond to every email you have to respond to, all the extra work you do, and not everybody's being paid 4 or $5 million a year like Kirk Ferentz at Iowa or other coaches, okay? Most coaches are being paid a working living, and they have to deal with these, these, these so many things. There's so much of a burden being placed on, on coaches who are now have to deal with the mental health of their athletes when they're not qualified to do it. Coaches need to band together to learn this and demand to know more. That's number one. You can't just show up for an hour at the United Soccer Convention. You have to say to the United Soccer coaches, we need more of this and we want it now. We want a plan. We want an approach to make this happen. To the athletes, to the athletes who are complaining sometimes, who may have complained about their coach, this is for you as well. I know you don't think it is, but it is. The response of administrations to many of your complaints is to patronize you. It's undermining women the way they respond to this. It's undermining coaching generally. No one's trying to devalue your your valid concerns about your emotional well-being. But there is a way that everyone needs to understand this. The athletes who complain, the athletes who are not complaining, who benefit from great coaching, are being devalued. They're having great coaching taken away from them. Everyone is affected by this, and it's time to make a change now.
1: Is indeed. And everybody, one more time, Thursday, January 12th in Philadelphia, 4 o'clock, Thomas Newkirk will be there to address The Role of Implicit Bias and Gender Socialization in the Destruction of Coaching. I gave your email. Is there any other way folks can find you, Thomas, if they want your expertise, your experience, your knowledge?
2: Yes, anybody can email me. I respond to any coach at any time. Um, I always talk to people for if if they need help, I always talk to them potentially for free just to start out Um, is why I got my lawyer hat on. But also for any educational opportunity, I'm glad to come in. I don't make my living primarily educating people. I'm trying to make a difference. And in a weird way, I'm trying to put myself out of business. So in universities, because the only thing I do is as a lawyer, it is effectively deal with these cases and it's time for it to stop. His email one more time, folks, is thomas.newkirk,
1: N-E-W-K-I-R-K at implicitbias.com. I'm going to be there. I can't wait for your session. I'm so glad that you're Sharing your expertise and experience on this all-important hot issue right now. Thomas Newkirk, thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast and for being in Philadelphia at the convention. Thanks, Steve. Thomas Newkirk, an outstanding guest. I want to thank Dave Simeon from United Soccer Coaches for pushing him forward. Brandon Milburn from United Soccer Coaches pushed forward Chris Sharman, founder of Topodium Group. Over the past few months, United Soccer Coaches. Has been sourcing work too, to Podium to help out their graphics department, and they will be on site at the convention to help United Soccer coaches with media production. Chris Sharman will be doing two member benefit webinars leading into the convention. He will be doing a session on marketing and branding, and then they are offering a paid six week online marketing workshop at a special rate for our members and convention attendees. We hear from Chris. Sharman, founder of Topodium Group, T O P O D I U M Group.com. Chris Sharman on the bounce.
0: Register now for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and experience all United Soccer Coaches has to offer in one place. Enhance your coaching resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. In addition to meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and more. Register before the December 15th price increase at org.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps, a fantastic show, jam-packed. That's pretty much how all the shows are going to be as we lead up to the convention in Philadelphia in early January. I cannot wait. Of course, helping me along the way has been the great Bailey Conklin and Brandon Milburn. Brandon Milburn, the director of the of Strategic Growth for United Soccer Coaches, was kind enough to push forward the Topodium Group, who he's been working with for quite some time, and Chris Sharman, the founder of the Topodium Group. So Chris joins me now. Chris will actually be doing two member benefit webinars leading into the convention. He will be doing a session on marketing and branding, and then they're offering a paid six-week online marketing workshop at a special rate for our members and convention attendees. We'll remind you about all of that at the end of this interview as well. With that, I am so pleased to have Chris Sharman, the founder of podium Group, on the united soccer coaches podcast welcome chris
3: hi dean thanks for having me
1: let's start with a blanket question because it's a podcast you have time tell us about who you are and what Topodium group is all about
3: yeah absolutely so um i'm the founder of a company called Topodium group we're a marketing training and consulting business that supports organizations uh, primarily in sport health and leisure uh, i've been in the sector since i was 15 27 years now i guess The golden thread through that period has always been football or soccer, as you know it. And I've been a coach since I was 15. I've played. I'm, for my sins, a big Man United fan. Um, And I've got a huge passion for sport and just fitness in general, to be fair. So after a number of years in operational sports, health and fitness facilities, I set up a consulting business back in 2010. And was lucky enough at that stage to work with uh, one of the largest soccer coaching companies in America, Challenger Sports. Initially with their curriculum development and coach education, but latterly as their chief brand officer, supporting them with their branding, their marketing activities and, and ultimately growing the business through building strong brand loyalty. Since leaving that role 2020, I set up to Podium Group and have been supporting organizations and individuals across the world to, to build their brands, uh, to increase their revenues and ultimately grow their businesses.
1: You mentioned the word brand and branding. That is a key word. A lot of people have different takes on what that means. In your own words, Chris, what is branding and why is it important?
3: There is this misconception. Maybe I'll go back a little bit to helping people understand the difference between branding and marketing, because I think there's a lot of confusion around those two terms and what the difference is. But for me, branding is who you are, and that's who you are as an individual, who you are as a business, who you are as an organization. Marketing is how you sell your product or services, the tactics that support you. So for me, branding is the who you are. It's it's the the connection between you and your customers, you and your audience, ultimately. So when people interact with your business or your club, it's your branding that makes you and that experience unique and exciting.
1: How does branding differ for players, clubs, associations, and soccer-related
3: products, Chris? For me, it probably doesn't. Branding is, as, as I kind of said, that that piece around interacting with your audience. So I think the, the slight difference around a player versus a club or an association or a product that's in the world of soccer is who their audience is and knowing that audience um, and how you want to speak to that audience. So, you know, if, if you look, Jeff Bessos had a, a, a brilliant quote a few years back where he said, branding is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So as an individual player that's up and coming, what do I want people to say about me, the way that I train, the way that I present myself? Um, How does a club want to be perceived out in the the marketplace? Are they a recreational club? Are they a competitive club? Um, And what do they want people to say about them, their training and their coaches? So I think branding is the same all the way through, except the audience differs and how you communicate to that audience is ultimately what's going to give you the success that, that you need. Brilliant. Now Chris, how can branding help a grassroots
1: recreational club and what can a club do to improve their brand?
3: I think again going back to I just mentioned is that club a rec club? Is it a competitive club? Who is the audience they're trying to get? Are they trying to get more players? Are they trying to present themselves as um uh, a club where they are, you know, challenging for you know uh, titles and cups and competitions and so on and so forth so for once once they know that audience uh, it's it's how they communicate so how do they communicate through uh, social media how do they communicate via their website via emails out to their members or potential members um, but also, how is their brand perceived in terms of look and feel? How do their coaches turn out? Do they look presentable? Do they have an allegiance with a with a brand? Another, you know, co sponsorship with a Nike or an Adidas or an Under Armour or whoever that might be. So, I think any club that is trying to commercially grow needs to look at the audience, needs to connect what they do with the audience. And I would say, you know, for, for someone, is have a look at the core values that you have within your within your club and, and are they presented within the tone of voice that you are projecting in the emails, the social, uh, the websites, the, you know, the, the, the communications that you have to existing and then ultimately potential new customers, members, et cetera.
1: Great to have the wisdom of Chris Sharman, the founder of the Podium Group. We'll have more on how you can find Chris and his website as we wrap up, but we still have more questions. What can a young up and coming player a player do to start building their brand?
3: I think, again, a a player coming up is um, through the system is gonna want to have a look at how they want to be perceived. Um, And unfortunately, social media plays a a negative part for some people uh, when they're coming through. Uh, And we've seen that with elite players that, you know, people are trolling back through old things that they did on social media and so on and so forth. So a young player coming up, I would just say, look at how you are presented in different ways online young people coming through all have social media they chat on social media they present themselves on social media and i would say the key pieces for me is sit down and, and, and think of a few words that you want to be known for and does your social media portray that so if there was a future club that's looking to to buy you or a club that's looking at bringing you in whatever that looks like um, if they were to look at your social media would you be proud that that represents who you are, what you stand for, and ultimately what that new potential club or brand that might want to work with you um, is going to be looking for. And does that have a synergy with how they might want to be perceived? You know, you look historically at big players like, uh, you know, Wayne Rooney, for example, that have big sponsorship arrangements. Um, They do something bad on social media. They're perceived in a certain light in the media. All of a sudden that can fall away. So for someone coming up through, start the foundations of those really strong connections with what you want your audience to see you being. I go back to the Jeff Bezos quote, you know, if someone was talking about you, you weren't in the room as a young player, what would you like them to be saying about you? And how does your social media website, if you have one, portray that message? We started this interview
1: by me saying that United Soccer Coaches have been working closely with Chris Sharman, the founder of Topodium Group. That's spelled T-O-P-O-D-I-U-M Group. And over the past few months, United Soccer Coaches has been sourcing work to the Topodium Group to help their graphics department. And they will be on site at the convention to help with media production. They'll have six of their team members on site helping out. From there, I mentioned that you're going to have two member benefit webinars leading into the convention. You'll be doing a session on marketing and branding, and then you're offering a paid six-week online marketing workshop at a special rate for our members and convention and attendees. So let's dive into that. Tell us as much as you can about your upcoming webinars for United Soccer Coaches members and don't leave anything out. Yeah,
3: no, thank you. So two webinars coming up in December. Those dates are being announced very soon. Uh, The first one will be around levelling up your club brand. It's a real introduction to how to create a successful soccer club brand. What does it mean? Some of the talking points we've gone through today around tone of voice, messaging, look and feel. Uh, The second webinar will be around um, really levelling up the club website. Uh, That's one, one of the key things that a you know an existing uh, member or a new potential member to your club might look at and how do we make sure that it's delivering the messages that you want it's targeting the right audience whether you be rec whether you be com- competitive maybe you're a hybrid of both um, and how do we engage those users and those uh, viewers to that website to to ultimately you know be part of your brand and your business so they're the two webinars that we're going to be doing looking forward to them I mentioned
1: that you have close ties to Brandon Milburn, the United Soccer Coaches Director of Strategic Growth. I call him Big Money B. He's always Mm -hmm. got great ideas and knows how to find great people. He was super excited to have you on. Can you talk about how you got
3: connected to United Soccer Coaches and formed this relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So Brandon and I um, first connected when he was working with Challenger Sports. I mentioned earlier that I I worked with that organization as their chief brand officer. Brandon was part of that team. So he was heading up social media for for that team when I was running that division within Challenger. And we've stayed connected. Brandon's a great guy, as you say, got some great ideas, really passionate about Soccer, really passionate about growth and improving people and brands. Uh, so yeah, when he when he started um, work with United Soccer Coaches, he reached out and there was a few things that we talked around and yeah, we've ended up being in a position now where we're looking forward to and excited to be supporting the thousands of members that you guys have and seeing how we can support them grow over the coming months and years. From 3,000 feet
1: up in the air, looking down at United Soccer Coaches and then looking at what you do
3: how excited are you about this partnership because i got to believe you're over the moon absolutely super excited i mean i've been around uh, united soccer coaches for a number of years been to a number of the conventions so being able to stand up and talk you know and do a seminar around branding and marketing you know in in january is going to be you know super exciting for me and the team you know we've got a a, a great team that sit within our marketing uh, division and they're all super passionate about you know soccer they're all super passionate about building brands and helping organizations to grow and and yeah uh, for me this is a the the perfect partnership you know for for someone who's been involved in football and soccer for that long to to now work and and hopefully give some of that secret sauce maybe um to to the clubs and associations and the players that sit within the organization yeah can't wait
1: Chris Sharman, the founder of Topodium Group. If you've listened to the podcast and you said you did, I'll take your word for that. By the way, Chris, obviously having a little giggle there. But as you know, I'm always big on promoting our guests, promoting their websites, promoting their social media. So I don't want to let you go without you promoting all of that. So you have the floor. Tell us where we can reach you and where Our 30,000 members can find you, particularly if they want to work with you even outside of these webinars, outside of the convention, which I'm sure you'll get some business out of the United
3: Soccer Coaches membership. Thank you, Dean. Yes. So uh, Chris uh, Sharman on LinkedIn, easiest way to reach me personally. So reach out, send me a a, a message and we'll connect on there. In terms of Topodium Group, topodiumgroup.com is our website. Uh, Topodium Group is our handle uh, for all of the social media, be that LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Uh, instagram and facebook so yeah please reach out to, to me through linkedin through to my team and myself through to podium group and yeah we'll happily have a conversation with anyone that that reaches out this way with a theme
1: titled Building a Successful Soccer Brand for Your Player, Club, Association, or Product. It's a can't-miss time. Check out the webinars. Make sure you connect with Chris at the convention, as he just said as well. Chris Sharman, founder of Topodium Group. Thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps.
3: Thanks very much, Dean. Really appreciate your time.
1: We are continuing to roll as we have five outstanding guests, and really I feel like all five will touch the convention in some way, including the Colgate women's soccer coach, a former 30 under 30 member, and now part of the new coaches initiative started by Trish Hughes. We're talking about Colgate's Lindsay Hokinson on January 12th at 1 p.m. She'll have a session called Facilitating a Culture That Empowers Positive Relationships amongst your team. We'll break that down after these messages. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level One Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve level one accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the master course schedule on UnitedSoccerCoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. As we will do the rest of the way, we will have one or two presenters at the convention on the show. I'm so pleased to have one of my favorite people who will be presenting at the convention. She is the head coach of the Colgate women's soccer team. After spending a lot of time with Dave Nolan at Georgetown, we're talking about Lindsay Hokanson, who by the way, was also a 30 under 30 member and was just named to the college coaches credentialing cohort crew. I think there's 60 coaches in that group as well. Is it 60, Lindsay? Is that right? Thank you. All right. 60. And with that, we welcome in Lindsay Hokinson officially. Lindsey, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast.
4: Thanks, Dean. It feels like such, a, such an honor to be on here once, let alone twice. So I'm thankful <laughs> to be here with you.
1: Well, we'll have you on more than that. I can promise you that. And I'm <laughs> really thrilled to see that you are a presenter. You will be presenting on Thursday, January 12th at 1 p.m. in Philadelphia. The name of your presentation is fascinating. It's called Facilitating a Culture that Empowers Positive Relationships Amongst Your Team. Great title. Great topic. Roll with it, Lindsay. Tell me what you want to accomplish in your hour presenting, again, facilitating a culture that empowers positive relationships amongst your team.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So in 2019, I, I was really lucky to get to go to the Women's World Cup. Um, with the with the group of women's coaches through initiative that WAGS put on women and girls in soccer, it's been rebranded. Um, and a part of that group was Sky Eddie Bruce. I had a chance to hang out with Sky, um, who um, people will know for a multitude of reasons, um, part part of which her being um, with Brianna Scurry at UMass at the same time. Um, but we had a really great opportunity in the week that we spent together to talk a lot about the non X's and O's of soccer. And I think one thing that I've always really leaned into in the college environment is the idea of of building a culture, right? And I think that's such a buzzword and there's a lot of things that go into the idea of culture. And I would say primarily it has to do with the environment. It has to do with the relationships. And I think the, the beautiful part of the opportunity that I'm going to have a chance to present on is that Everybody wants to to build a great culture. And I, by no means, by the way, full disclaimer, I'm saying that I've got it right or that I haven't figured it out. But what I do think is we've had a chance to do here at Colgate over the last couple of years is to really sort of start from the foundation of, of what it looks like to build a culture. And I think um for me so much of that has to do with the person to person relationships and so that's really what i'm going to be diving into is to in order to build a culture you have to start with the people and you have to start with creating an environment that allows for a culture to to thrive it's like you know it's like planting seeds if you are planting in a barren land it's never going to grow and so for us it was here at Colgate is about tilling the land first which is sometimes the hardest part and sometimes the part that you see that you see the least growth from right and and you have to kind of like be willing to do it knowing that it's going to take time and so i think for me that's kind of what this presentation is about is what does it look like to create the space for a culture to exist um it's sort of the the, the foundational piece and we've always said with our group like we've been digging the foundation and we felt like this past year we got to see the fruits of our labor where we have a framework up of the house And then eventually we get to like decorate the walls and paint the walls and pick the carpet, but we're not there yet. And so you have to do the ugly stuff first that takes time. And so I think that's really what I'm going to be talking a lot about is is what it looks like to build that foundation. And it it is so much about relationships.
1: You're hearing the voice and the wisdom of Lindsay Hokinson, the head coach of the Colgate women's soccer team, who on Thursday, January 12th, will have a presentation called facilitating a culture that empowers positive relationships amongst your team, I emphasize the word empowers because we hear culture a lot, but that word empowerment means something to you. What does it mean as it relates to this presentation?
4: Well, at the end of the day, our jobs as coaches is, is to provide the tools. And, and I think that's what I love so much about soccer and coaching soccer. I have conversations all the time with football coaches and basketball coaches and volleyball coaches. They dictate so much of what happens in the course of their environment of a game. As soccer coaches, we have to empower our athletes to decision-make, to play, to do all the things because we don't get to have a say once the whistle blows. Um, we get to maybe change change systems, address different tactic points, but our, our players have to do the decision making. And so we're empowering our players in, in every sense of the word. Um, and for us talking about what it looks like to empower one players to feel a sense of freedom, a sense of security, a sense of comfort in the environment that they're in, but two, um, empowering them to, to, to be human, to be vulnerable, to have trust, to, to, to figure out what it means to have Positive relationships. What does that even look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? And you have to equip them. That's what empowering is for us. It's equipping them to do it in spaces that we can't see because those tend to be the most important spaces.
1: Whether 10 people show up, 100 people show up, or 1,000 people show up, what are three key takeaways you want people to get out of this topic called facilitating a culture that empowers positive relationships amongst your team?
4: One, You're always actively building the culture. I think that's really important. So whether you're intentional about it or unintentional about it, it's happening. I think that's one thing that's really important to recognize. I think too, recognizing the what this looks like in today's environment is very different than maybe what it looked like five years ago, ten years ago, when I was in college. Um, What it means to to build an environment looks very different. I think that's another piece of it, and that um, that you have to be really mindful of today's student-athlete, that it looks different. I think that's important too. And I think the third piece is just how important person-to-person relationships are in the context of building a culture and how important this preliminary piece is. If you want to have success in the short term and in the long term, um, you have to start with the stuff that you don't get to see and how important this is in terms of laying the foundation of that.
1: Perhaps another tough question, but I hope some names will come to mind. You already mentioned Sky as you think about some of the cultures you've been around with your teams who are some other people that have made a difference in how you formulate building a culture
4: everyone you obviously that you interact with shapes the way that you perceive what's good and what's bad what you enjoy what you don't enjoy so every environment i've been in i've learned from and i think you know getting the opportunity to be with dave at georgetown for 5 years we got a chance to see I got a chance to see the the fruits of his labor in a lot of ways, but also to see the ways in which culture, to be honest, Dean, I think the way that culture helped us elevate, right? Because I've, I've sat next to tons of coaches in the time that I was there saying like, we didn't have the best players at Georgetown. We had great players. When we stacked up paper to paper with the teams that we played, um, the difference for us was the, the essence of our team, the essence of the culture. And so I think getting to see it done really well and, and to see it in some ways have an organic nature to it, but an intentionality to it, and then it becomes self-perpetuating, that for me has been such a, an educational learning experience for me to try and, and emulate where I go. So I think obviously that was a piece of it You learned, I learned from my own college environment, I learned from the environment that I, the time I got to spend with Mark Parsons at the spirit for a short period of time to see the way that he built that culture and how intentional he was about it. Um, you know, I, I've just, I've been so fortunate in my time to get to to even have glimpses into environments that I think are done really well. And, um, and, 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 you know, those that I'm like, Oh, I can see how this isn't going to translate. Right. And so I, I think, you pick something up from so many people. I've just, I know so many great people in this business too, and to have conversations with them about, about building these things, either sustaining or or raising and building um, and, and what each of those look like.
1: As such a young, inspirational, and I find to be extremely positive person, positive coach, I've enjoyed the fact that at a very young age, you saw value in United soccer coaches. You wanted to be a part of the 30 under 30. You made it happen. You were now this new initiative that Trish Hughes has started that I mentioned, the college coaches credentialing cohorts, you wanted to be a part of that, and now you are. What is it about United Soccer Coaches that makes you bring your passion to everything you do with the association?
4: I think so much of it has to do with the community. It, it's so it's so it's so amazing to me. We are so fortunate as soccer coaches to have United soccer coaches. There's no other body like it across the country. I think there's a lot that try, but they can be quite siloed, right? When I look at our lacrosse coaches, for example, who are down the hall from me, there's a women's lacrosse association, college women's lacrosse association, and a men's lacrosse. And so they're so segmented. The opportunity to idea share, the opportunity to ask questions, the opportunity to be around others who live in the same world, but perhaps with different nuances, I think is so cool. And that's why I really enjoy the convention. I enjoy 30 Under 30. I, I In our in our college coaches credentialing call, it's kind of like we get to be with our, our own people, but we get to be in a space that's safe to say like, here's where I'm struggling. And to have peers from across the industry, on the women's side, on the men's side, at different divisions, being able to empathize with those experiences, to share experiences. I think that's what Trish really talked about is like, in as much as you're going to take from this, and I think maybe it was Celia Slater who said, think about what you can also bring and what maybe people need to hear from you in this space. And I think that's so valuable because I, I I very much agree that in in as much as we're coming to it to learn, I think we're also coming to share. And I just imagine sitting and listening to Jen Klein or Jason Lowe, who both I know, I know from different spaces, to get to hear how it's done at Michigan or BC and be able to say, oh, we're having some similar struggles or we're having some similar successes. I think to have that space in our, in our sport with United soccer coaches and be able to have those conversations with club coaches and high school coaches and professional coaches in a shared space is really special and is something that would be silly not to have a chance to dive into with both feet.
1: Because you're so willing to grow because you're so willing to invest in United soccer coaches I like to use this platform as the host of United Soccer Coaches to help you grow. I think I reminded you that Kathy Braun, when the Fox Soccer Game of the Week, then NSCAA, she always brought us in. I loved going to Hamilton. I loved the university and still do. And I love the fact that you're there. So I'm going to give you the floor now to tell people what makes Colgate so special, because right now is a hot time for recruits. And I can tell you young women out there, if you land at Colgate, you will love it, but I'll let you talk about Colgate a little bit,
5: coach.
4: What makes Colgate special are the people here. Um, And I think a lot of people, a lot of people will probably say that about their institutions, but um, being a small liberal arts institution we have a, a commitment to excellence on the, on the field and in the classroom, and it's an uncompromising one, which I think is what makes us different. We're unapologetic about being great in both spaces, um, and so we look to find women who want to be a part of something where they're going to be stretched, they're going to be challenged, and we have the resources and support around them to help them do that, to, to empower, like you said, to empower them here from the coaching staff all the way through to our administration. We have an unbelievable administration here who believe fully in the Division One experience at a really high level, who want our kids to succeed in every way possible. And so I think that really... At the foundation of all of it, that's what makes us really special are the people who are going to invest the development that you'll get while you're here. Um, and it's a really cool. Place. It's a really cool place. Like you said, um, it's a beautiful campus and a beautiful part of the world. Um, and I just feel so lucky to get to coach such incredible student athletes who have ambition and drive and motivation um, and the willingness to, to really jump, jump into this experience and be excellent.
1: And of course, as the president of the unofficial Lindsey Holkinson fan club that we need to make official, I do need to somehow with that title, make it about myself. That means I need to talk about Oliver Lynch Daniels, who played with <laughs> both my boys, who's now in his sixth year playing basketball and is at Colgate. And you told me that your team is well aware of Oliver Lynch Daniels.
4: That's true. He'd probably be really sad if you didn't mention him on here, but um, yeah, look, Honestly, Dean, what's really again a special part about this place is Matt Langle, the basketball coach here, he's done such phenomenal things. He is he's really special and he's really talented. And I don't have any hesitation walking into his office and saying, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? And and the the guys on the team, Oliver included, um, they're, they're really a part of a, a really incredible, special thing that Matt has going here and the intentionality with which he does things. And, and I think that's what's really cool is I could talk to him. I could talk to our football coach. We could sit down and, and talk about coffee or we could talk about defensive schemes and it would be all the same and i think that's what's really great again and and knowing oliver right again a small school yes i know oliver i've walked by him he said hello to me and that's and he's on the basketball team which at some places those those kids can be a bit untouchable in some ivory tower somewhere and uh here we've played in as many ncaa tournaments as anybody can imagine um, in both soccer and in basketball for being a, a school of 3000 in upstate New York. Um, and so it's just a really cool place to get to be involved with things like that and watch our men's team go and do special things again. They beat Syracuse again this year, which is huge. Um, and, and are probably going to go on to compete in the Patriot League once again. So it's, it's just a really fun place to be in a fun time to be here. Next time you see him,
1: make sure you tell him Dean Linky and the Linky boys said hello. Cause we're huge fans of him and his family. Please fulfill that promise for me, Lindsay. One more time. I will. Her presentation will be on Thursday, January twelfth at one o'clock. The title is "Amazing: Facilitating a Culture That Empowers Positive Relationships Amongst Your Team." Lindsay Hokinson, the head coach of the Colgate Women's Soccer Team, will be running that presentation. Make sure you're there, Lindsay. I can't wait to see you in Philadelphia, and thank you so much for carving out some time to be on the United Soccer Coaches
4: Podcast. Thanks, Dean. My pleasure, as always. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. Always
1: a pleasure. How about the UNC Greensboro men's soccer team? The 12th overall seed, they knocked off Ohio State in penalty kicks. They went out to Palo Alto. They beat Stanford in penalty kicks. And on Saturday, they'll take on the eight-time national champion Indiana Hoosiers at home in Greensboro. Their head coach, Chris Rich. Chris Rich joins me next on the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
0: Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches less busy work more time doing what you love go to leagueapps.com to learn more league apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the united soccer coaches podcast
1: welcome back to the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps my favorite time of the year the final four for the women d1 will be this weekend at wake Med soccer park down the road from where I live in Chapel Hill. And then the next week, Wake Med Soccer Park will also host the Final Four. That means we're at the Elite Eight level. And one of the true stories, the true gems on the men's side, D1, is UNC Greensboro, who made a great decision back on July 30th, 2019, when they plucked Chris Rich from the Duke coaching staff, made him head coach. And UNC Greensboro, they're 13-1-6, and 9-0-2 at home. They've already beat Ohio State at home on PKs. They went out to Stanford, beat Stanford on PKs on Saturday, December 3rd at 5 p.m. They'll take on the eight-time national champion, Indiana Hoosiers with that Chris Rich welcome to the United soccer coaches podcast
6: thank you so much Dean it's a pleasure to be on
1: yeah and look at you guys 13 1 and 6 9 0 and 2 at home you've got three guys with 20 points or more you clearly have a big time goalkeeper because you won both games on PKs break down your team break down this success Cause it's pretty awesome.
6: Yeah, it's been a great season. We scheduled a really good schedule. Obviously we feel like we took care of um, business in conference, both in the conference tournament and the regular season, winning both championships. But we also went on the road, beat Clemson, went on the road, um, tied Louisville, went on the road, tied SMU, um, beat Elon at home, 2-0, uh, beat Coastal Carolina, beat High Point. So we, we scheduled a lot of very good mid-majors, but we also... um we try to beef up our schedule against, you know, the bigger names, let's say. Um, so super proud about how we responded to each and every test. Um, uh, that was important to us because of our the lesson we learned last year, maybe not having uh, a difficult enough schedule um, to make it as an at-large. And that was our goal is to make it at-large. And fortunate enough, we were able to, we were going to get in. Uh, anyway, but we won the conference tournament. So it's been a good season for sure. Um, a lot of good players. Uh, you mentioned uh, the points. JC Gondo, I should say, is probably the player that gets the most recognition nationally. To me, he's one of the best players in the country. He, in every single game, he's, he's double team, most impactful. He's our player of the year in our conference. Um, he's a he's a top, top player and a lovely human being. Ishmael Aharchi, uh, number nine for us. Uh, has scored, he's in double digits. Um, he had a fantastic October, has scored some important goals in November as well. Um, he's coming and done a very good job. Uh, Marco Alfonso, which has been a transfer from Grand Canyon. He was a four year starter at Grand Canyon and, and came in there. So we try to bring in some older guys to um, add to our, um, what we what we call is a, a more mature roster because all of these guys have been with me. Um, not necessarily since the beginning, but have been all of our recruiting classes here here in Greensboro. So two years in the works here, three years in the works, and now we're in the position where we're just winning games. Uh, and we, we we have a good feeling on how to win games, and it's a gritty, gutsy group. And and then we see it in the tournament as well. We obviously position ourselves for um, to get a, a national seed, uh, which is awesome. Um, that's what everybody strives to, ha- to have is a buy. And a home game and, and we did that. We thought we had a tough draw in Ohio State and Wake Forest. <laughs> um, the congratulations, here you go. And mm-hmm. Ohio State were very good, super impressed with them against Wake Forest and super impressed when we played them. One in PKs, uh, and then obviously to go on the road uh, against a program like Stanford, as everybody knows, is traditionally a, a national championship contender. And you know, in, in a game that was tough, we had to Another how to have another gritty gutsy performance, how to win a lot of duels. It's always difficult to play against Jeremy Gunn's teams, um, and I thought our guys did fantastic in, in in dealing with their direct play, the chaos, the crosses, the set pieces, and then obviously the uh, winning again in PKs um, was was a brilliant moment. Um, that's actually Isaac Bryner um, has played zero minutes for us, um, in the run and play. And, and he, but we change, we've changed him in for both goalkeepers or both shootouts as our goalkeeper. Um, so that's a pretty interesting piece there. And he's come out and, and did a fantastic job.
1: So clearly something about Isaac, cause it's Mr. Wild, right? Who's your starting goalkeeper. They must have a great relationship where Mr. Wild knows that, um, you're going to go to the other gentleman in go, if it goes to PKs, that's fascinating.
6: Yeah, you know, Nicholas, goalkeeper year in the conference, back-to-back years, he's very good, um, and he's our clear number one. But PK shootouts are different, right? And, you know, we've been working on them in practice for a long time now leading up to the conference tournament. Uh, pretty much once October hit, we started working on them. And the numbers didn't lie. We, we track all the numbers in training, and, and analytically, he was clearly the better goalkeeping uh, goalkeeper in the shootouts so he was saving them in training and honestly it was it was a bold decision to make the change against Ohio State but it was the right decision and uh it paid off and then he saved the first three against Stanford so which um Stanford usually never misses PK so you know he did a fantastic job we're
1: here with Chris Rich the top man for the UNC Greensboro men's soccer team they've made it to the elite eight As Chris pointed out, they got one of the top 16 seeds, which makes a difference. And as it is, the way it played out, a lot of the top seeds have folded. They're crumbled. They're out. So it gives you an opportunity to come back and play another home game. How important is that? You think about Indiana, home of the Godfather, eight-time national champs. To be able to make them travel to you, that's pretty awesome.
6: Yeah, it seems a little backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we earned it. We earned it with our regular season body of work. Um, you know, I thought we could have been seated higher than 12 um, based on our, our body of work throughout the year. But maybe I'm just being picky. Everybody has a bone to pick with the, the committee. Usually <laughs> I was proud of our body of work to earn a seed. Um, the only way we weren't going to host is if Virginia would have beaten Marshall and Virginia would have beaten Indiana. Um, so we knew there was a good chance if we were to beat Stanford, we were playing back at home. And, and then obviously before the Stanford game, we knew that, you know, we're undefeated at home. We want to be here. Traveling to the West Coast was is a lot. It's pretty intense, and you got to plan your your travel literally last minute and get out there. And it'd be the same thing traveling to Indiana, but super happy to play at home. Our university's excited. You know, it's obviously to host any team in the Elite Eight is a proud moment, but to to host a team like Indiana program, like Indiana is awesome. So we're super excited for that opportunity.
1: Chris, I'm old enough to know that UNC Greensboro has long been a great destination for soccer to the point where when I was the press officer for the U S team, we played an international friendly at UNC Greensboro. I remember like it was yesterday. We also played down the road at high point. There's a lot of history and a lot of appreciation for high level soccer at your university.
6: Yeah, soccer here is is king. Uh, we don't have American football, so uh, really the two flagship programs are men's soccer and men's basketball. And historically, we're by far the most successful program on our campus. You talk about the '80s, five national championships, uh, winning D three national championships. They were successful in Division two for a short stint before they went Division one. In 04, 05, 06, they made three straight Sweet 16 appearances. So a lot of history for, for, for men's soccer on this campus. A lot of alums that are super passionate about this program that makes it super unique. And at the end of the day, on this campus, soccer matters. You know, I've been at some great places um, that are top five programs. And soccer is not always on the top end of the, uh, the pecking order. Well, on this campus, it is. Um, so we get a lot of support. Obviously, people are behind us right now. Um, And it's the first time in in university history, um, and I'm pretty sure any sport, but in men's soccer, first time making it to the Elite Eight in in Division I history.
1: I got to know you a little bit while you spent a few years at Duke under John Kerr, who are also still in it at the elite eight level. In fact, you two could meet in the national championship game at wake med would would just be remarkable. And I assume it would be packed as well, but you know, I know you went to Barry university and I know you started coaching at Barry university, but tell me more, Chris, where did you grow up? Why did you pick Barry? And then walk us through your coaching path. Take your time. It's a podcast. We got all day.
6: Yeah, sure. Um, so grew up in Tampa, Florida played, played growing up. Actually, I was committed to university of South Florida, and I was going – I wanted to go there. I wanted to stay home. And, and then there was a coaching change. The new coach came in and, and uh, didn't want me basically. Um, so I didn't know anything about the process, didn't know what Barry was. And then some guy named Steve McCrath, who's um, obviously family now to me, um, knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that knew my my coach. And and all of a sudden I was on a, a tryout to Barry and I fell in love and, and committed on the spot. I don't think I had a, another – Another offer, you know, it's really the only place that wanted me, so I went there. Had a good division two career at Barry, um, started coaching there soon after. I wanted to be a pro, wasn't good enough to be a pro, so I, I started coaching. Um, was a grad assistant at Barry, ended up staying there for four years. Um, coached with some great people, obviously with Steve, but then Henry Appaloo, that's now um, in the MLS, coach at Aberdeen before this, so um, been able to be around some great people, coached Lucci Gonzalez and Matias Asori down at Kendall. Um, so been around a lot of great people. And then I I went from Barry to FIU. I was there for only a year and a half. I was there with Muga Ekatebi as the head coach. And the other system was Matisse Soria who's now coaching FC Dallas 17s. That's also where I coached Lucci at, at Kendall in the Academy. Uh, and then from there, I went to Virginia tech. I was at Virginia tech for a few seasons with Mike Brizendine. Um, that was my first taste, of the ACC and, and I did that, uh, got up there in late 2011, um, early 2012. And um, that was a great opportunity. Obviously when I was there, Virginia Tech was, I think, just building from um, post-probation era, of, um, early years of Bruce's um, time. Um, but, you know, it was an awesome opportunity to be a part of a ACC-level program. And then I had the uh, opportunity to go to UNC Chapel Hill, um, where there was like three years with Carlos. Um, that was – you know, that was an incredible opportunity. You know, from, from there I was a soldier, uh, put my head down and worked. Um, at the time I was there, Grant Porter was still, still there, but also Jason O'Keefe. So for me, not only Carlos, but also the assistants, you know, I, I had the opportunity to work alongside some, some great people and, and we were very successful there. And and then, you know, I wanted, I want a little bit more responsibility. I wanted to, um, to kind of take that next step professionally, individually in my career and, And and Coach Kerr gave me that opportunity. Obviously, knew each other a little bit by being local, but uh, had a lot of mutual connections. um, And, uh, um, you know, the assistant coach position came open. He reached out to me. And and honestly, in days, it was worked out. It was a weird one going from UNC to Duke, but it was a step up professionally in terms of the role, um, salary, going into a more full-time position. So it was a no-brainer for me personally, uh, although on, on the outside looking in, it looks odd. Mm-hmm. um and that duke i was there for four years uh coach kerr is a, um obviously a legend um not only at duke but um in, in the game and, and had an incredible honor to to work for him and learn from him and, and to be a big part of um that program so uh that was awesome as well I was there for great years and when i left uh the program um we had some great years made to the sweet 16 and third overall seed and and then had the opportunity to to, to be the head coach um, here at UNCG. As you mentioned, 2019, I got the phone call. And right before the season, um, I was actually on vacation and, and uh, got the call from Kim Record, the AD here at the time, and, and gave me the opportunity to be the head coach. And, and two days later, I was here on campus. And, and uh, I think a week later or 10 days later, I was starting preseason. So um, chaotic time, but it was, you know, UNCG was, is a destination job for many, many people with so much history, beautiful stadium. You can win here. and Obviously, we've done that. So, um, you know, I jumped at it, and and uh, here I am.
1: Dede has won nine wins in his first year in 19, the COVID year, nine more wins, 13 wins last year, 13 wins again this year. So you're certainly getting it done as well. With all those moves, first of all, tell us how you met Corey and how has Corey adapted I mean, actually going from Chapel Hill to Durham to Greensboro isn't too difficult. I don't know. You might even stayed at the same home. I don't know. But talk about how you met your wife and how she's done with the moves.
6: I think for asking, uh, she worked at UNC Chapel Hill uh, in athletics. Um, So when I was an assistant coach there, literally within weeks, I met her. And uh, um, I think we dated for just over a year before we got engaged when I was at Chapel Hill. And then I, we stayed in the same house. Yeah. When we moved from uh, Chapel Hill to Duke and she stayed working at, at Chapel Hill. I worked at Duke and that's actually very common in terms of marriages, a lot yeah. of Duke UNC uh, households, obviously. And it was fantastic. You know, so I was there four years. And then when I moved to um, Greensboro, she stayed working at Chapel Hill for another, Oh, actually almost a year, but it was during COVID. So she was working remote. So that helped. Uh, with uh, not having to commute every day and then now she works at Volvo um, um, here locally but uh, yeah she's been fantastic she actually came with uh, me Uh, she's come on most of the trips but also traveled with us to Stanford Um, so she loves it Um, she's a big part of it and uh, she's yeah super happy to have her along my side for sure.
1: I've got mad respect for that, for somebody who's been married to someone in the sports business uh, for 28 years. Uh, yeah. I love hearing those kind of stories. And, you know, obviously I also know that uh, United soccer coaches has been important to you. You've been a national instructor for United soccer coaches. This is the United soccer coaches podcast. Chris, can you talk about what the association has meant to you, sir?
6: It gave me the opportunity to to learn and grow as a coach through um, coaching licenses, went through that process and, um, then did well in those and 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 got the opportunity um, to by Tony DeChico, the late Tony D'Agostino, to to be a, a coaching instructor. Um, him and Lisa Cole were running um, the goalkeeper licenses, and and Lisa still does. And uh, gave me the opportunity, and the platform to to run some um, um, courses and and did those and did some field player courses as, as well. Probably did that for five to seven years. Still on the national staff. I just do it less now in my role as a head coach, um, just got to pick, pick my battles and pick and choose what I do, but still part of that staff. Um, yeah, it's been a huge part of my journey. You know, the way I look at, um, education, it should never stop. And, and, uh, I need to always grow, uh, as a coach and, and, uh, um, Unite Soccer Coaches not only allows me to continue to grow individually, but every time I teach or I'm around other coaches looking to grow, I'm learning as well. So, it's a great way to stay 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 connected and and, and stay growing and, and uh, it's been a big part of my journey for sure.
1: We'll end with this, Chris Rich, the head coach of the UNC Greensboro men's soccer team, they got seated, they have a home game, they face Indiana. You know, I saw you kind of semi-cringe when I mentioned the Godfather and the eight national championships. How do you keep that noise away from your team because when they do show up, they do have those eight stars on their jersey. How do you make sure that your team's not looking at those stars?
6: Yeah, they don't know anything about it. Um <laughs> honestly, like they didn't know Stanford Mm-hmm. half my team's international. So like, it's, it's not really a thing okay. um, for us, you know, how state, I know who how state is I know the brand, right. And coach Mazenoff is a great coach, but you know, honestly, besides that, my guys don't buy into that. Um, you know, we, then we play Stanford, we go to Stanford and, and my guys don't buy into it. So fortunately uh, I don't, I don't think that's a big distraction, but of course, like anytime you're playing these historic programs, um, there's something that goes along with that, but my guys love those opportunities. Um, And internally, we believe that we're better than them. You know, so we believe we're better than Indiana, you know, will we beat them? You know, let's see Saturday night, you know, they could easily beat us, but internally we have a lot of confidence. We've only been beaten once this year. There's a lot to be said for that. I think there's only a one hand uh, teams. I've only lost one time and, and we've played some very good teams. So, our guys definitely are, are not afraid of the moment, but also the names. One, most of my guys don't know who they are uh, <laughs> because they're not local, right? Okay. They probably know more about uh, High Point than they do Indiana, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. Just by being local or Mercer being in our conference. It's just how it is. Or Campbell um, than they do uh, a team from the Midwest. But uh, obviously our staff, our university, we, we know we know what we're up against. Uh, Coach Yeagley's is obviously another legend in the game and, and, uh, his father, what he built in that program, their staff, fantastic people, and a lot of very good players. So we, we know we're up for a very big task, but we are super excited. Um, I haven't started breaking them down yet. That'll be today. Um, so I don't really know a ton about them besides watch them play Ohio state when we were preparing for them. Um, but we'll, we'll take a, uh, deep dive in them to the today and tomorrow we'll see what their, what their qualities are, but we're super excited to host a program like IU and, and uh, we'll be ready for them.
1: My dad always told me that good things happen to good people. You have always been great to me. I know you're a good person and good things are happening to you and the UNC Greensboro men's soccer team. They'll take on Indiana in the elite eight Saturday, December 3rd at 5 PM. You can catch that game on ESPN+. Plus, Coach, I think I'm going to be in the stands as a fan watching the game, looking forward to it, and really pleased that you're able to join this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Congratulations on all your success, sir. Dean, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We end the show with Matt Spear who's done so many good things in the game. Now he is all about the well-being of each and every one of us, including the staff for United Soccer Coaches out in Kansas City. Matt Spear will also be at the convention in Philadelphia. He ends our show after these messages.
0: It's not too late to get your program recognized for the 2022-23 season. Register now for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program to enhance your coaching experience with educational offerings, general liability insurance, and awards and rankings eligibility for you and your players. The College Services Program serves to support you and your coaches, recognize your students' amazing efforts on the field and in the classroom, and advocate for meaningful change that protects our coaches and players. today by visiting UnitedSoccerCoaches.org backslash college.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Gaps. What a jam-packed show with superstar after superstar. It's no different now. One of my favorite people, Matt Spear. I first met Matt Spear when when he was the head coach at Davidson. He's gone on to do amazing things, but his focus truly is on the well-being of all of us. He's now the founder of Love United FC. Again, that's Love United FC, specializing in mental, physical fitness, purpose, performance, leadership development, and career coaching. Matt is now working with United soccer coaches. Jeff Van Dusen recently hired Matt Spear as their new well-being advisor for their national office staff. How cool is that? How cool is Matt Spear as we welcome him to the United Soccer Coaches
5: Podcast. Welcome, Matt. Dino, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, look, let's start with what you're doing now, among other things, but to be the well-being advisor for the national staff of United Soccer Coaches, I love that title, and I love what it means. Can you put into words what it means and how much you're enjoying it?
5: Kudos to Jeff and United Soccer Coaches staff for having me in and joining them. Um, you know, I'm all about trying to channel my career in different ways as I've evolved. And a lot of it is trying to reduce stress, prevent burnout. And ways to do that are well being pillars and basics of mindfulness. So, what I'm doing for the national office staff, there's 28 in Kansas City, is I'm giving group growth sessions. I have one tomorrow, and uh, I've already had one the previous month. And I'm also doing one-on-one mentoring talk calls with each of the staff members. With zero pressure, it's just, hey, Dean, how are you doing? Tell me about your life. What's going on? Having them opportunity to open up um, someone from the outside. I am a soccer guy, as you know, we'll get into. But just someone they can open up to and share good, thing, good things, struggles, stressors. And then perhaps I can give them some tips and resources just to give them a little bit more positive energy.
1: Let's rewind and reset, remind everybody where you grew up, where you played, how you got into coaching, how long you coached, and how you got to this point where you stepped away from coaching with your eye on the well-being of all of us, which is awesome.
5: Yeah, we're all stories, right? I'm a Winston-Salem, North Carolina native. I was just back there for Thanksgiving, See my parents are in their 80s, married 60 years, and my two older brothers came back in town as well. But loved Winston-Salem, grew up on the Wake Forest campus, played every sport known to man and woman, eventually gravitated towards soccer, um, played college soccer at Davidson for the uh, great Charlie Slagle. After I came out, um, Major League Soccer has not started yet. So I got into the sports marketing side of the game and did TV and internet projects, private company uh, funded by Adidas. And we did college soccer packages, we did internet websites, and along the way I met some great people uh, that really wanted to help the game grow. And had a small part of that myself. But I also missed coaching, I missed being on the field, I missed being around athletes. So at age 30 in 2001, I came back to Davidson, my alma mater, became the head coach, was fortunate enough to be there for 18 years, be around a ton of great people. And try to succeed uh, Charlie Segal for all he had done the 21 years prior, coaching myself, my older brother, Michael, and many others. So coached at my alma mater for 18 years, um, loved giving back to Davidson, loved uh, the student athlete formula that is so celebrated there and other places, had some success on the field where we're able to get 10 wins over ACC teams, but was also surrounded by so many great staff members, nine of whom... Um, continued on to become head coaches at other institutions. After 18 years of that, I decided to shift again and become the president and general manager of the Richmond Kickers USL League One Pro Team. It was acquired by five of my teammates, and they said, Matt, you're in the soccer space. Let's start this rebuild. Let's see what we can do with this franchise organization that had been around for now 30 years this year and turn a new chapter. So I did that for a couple of years and honestly had the time of my life, but also because of the stress of a very hard job and the pandemic on top of that, went through some tough times. 2020 was dark for me and many people. I came through that wanting to slow down a little bit, focus on my well being, turn all my experiences, even the painful ones into some ways to help others. And decided to establish my consultancy called Love United FC, which um, works with many great groups and organizations, including United Soccer Coaches.
1: I thought you assisted Charlie, but you just went right in
5: as the head coach, replacing Charlie. That's what happened? I was definitely in way above my head. Um, (laughs) I I did a little bit of assistant coaching while I was doing my sports marketing career during the 1990s. But yes, I'd never been a full time coach before. I became the head coach at Davidson, um, but it's all about surrounding yourself by great people. Um, so for example, I kept on Todd Herman. Todd Herman's been a long time friend and colleague, um, still coaching in the game, now at Campbell, um, before that Western Carolina, University of Richmond. And you know, you just lean into it um, and you figure it out. And coaching is not rocket science. Um, sometimes we take it a little bit too seriously. And um, we need to enjoy the sport, particularly during the World Cup fever.
1: You're going to lean into the convention as well. We'll see you in Philadelphia. Tell us what some of the things you have scheduled and are working on doing at the convention in Philadelphia, Matt Spear.
5: Can't wait to get there. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to see friends, um, to learn, to celebrate the growth of our sport, and obviously um, reward great teachers and coaches in the game. For me, my role is gonna be giving some mindfulness sessions and they'll most likely be at noon or right around noon on the Friday and the Saturday. It'll be on the schedule here soon. And I'm gonna take about 30 minutes. Of that 30 minutes, um, the first part, I'll just be basically describing what mental fitness is, which I describe as being calm, clear, and confident and why that matters in coaching and parenting and leading all those things and then some tools and strategies to do that well and I'll do a guided meditation with the group and then I'll end with talking a little bit about some well-being pillars to help them be the best people they can be to have better life work balance to not always be grinding and being a workaholic and hopefully as a result you know reduce some stress and prevent some burnout
1: how can people learn more about bringing you on? Because you also are got to make a living. It's part of your business. Love United FC. How do people find you? How do they engage you? How do they hire you?
5: Well, thanks. Some other groups I work with, for example, are NC Fusion, Great Sports Club, Multi Sports Soccer included in the Triad area. I also work with Charlotte Soccer Academy, over seven thousand members, one of the largest youth organizations in America. So I am in the soccer space for sure, but also work out of the soccer space as well. For example, I I work with NASCAR drivers where I use soccer for the physical conditioning, and then I use mindfulness exercises for their mental fitness. So um, I give talks to teachers, educators. I work one-on-one with business people. Um, But the way to find me is LinkedIn. Just go to to find Matt Spear on LinkedIn. Um, My email address is mattspear 10 at gmail.com, so it's S-P-E-A-R, number 10, at gmail.com, and I'm also, I have a Love United FC page on both Instagram, where I put forth affirmations that move me and enlighten me, and I also have a Love United FC Facebook page, where I post articles that move and enlighten me about well-being, leadership, managing stress in this post-pandemic world, and success.
1: Can't wait to see you in Philadelphia before we let you go with, you know, approximately 30,000 members with United Soccer Coaches. As you said, a lot of time there is burnout, a lot of times there's stress related to soccer or related to family life or related to all other kinds of different situations, as you know, very well, Matt, what is maybe some words of wisdom for people that might be dealing with some unwanted stress right now?
5: Yeah, I'll give you three of my mantras that I live by. One is joy-driven. So let's enjoy life. Number two is gratitude-focused. All right, so if we lean into the positives in our life, we can deflect from the inherent negative bias that the human brain has. That's a whole sports psychology side setting. We'll do another another profile. Um, And the last one is deliberately not busy. All right, so we can actually choose what we do each day. Um, we can take some time for ourselves to be fresher when we go back to the work and the busyness. So for example, I'll see somebody in the coffee shop here in Davidson, North Carolina, and I'll say, hey, Dina, how you doing, man? What's going on? He's like, ah, oh, God, I'm crazy busy. And I'll say, hey, friendo, is that a
4: good crazy busy?
5: And it usually stops him in their track and they go, wow, it's not, I'm too busy. So just that acknowledgement that the busyness of life can take away from the present, which is really where the beauty and richness is and the moments therein. So I think the World Cup is a super opportunity for us to enjoy the game for what it is, which is a uniter and a builder and a passion driver. So I would just encourage folks out there, they can reach out to me, but most importantly, take care of themselves. Make sure that they look at their players, if they're coaches, as people first and athletes second. Same thing if you have staff. Um, Same thing anybody you see in the world. Look at them as people. Look at them that have some struggles and stressors and try to be a positive resource for them. Sometimes the honest truth, Dean, is just slow down. Just slow down a little bit and be more present. And you'll be happier. I'm convinced.
1: Inspiring words from an inspiring leader, Matt Speer, the new well being advisor for the National Office Staff of United Soccer Coaches. You'll see him at the convention. And we had to have him on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Matt Speer, always a pleasure. Thanks for all you do. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Matt. And cheers to all of our amazing guests. What a big time show. Also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Duzen, and the entire gang at United Soccer Coaches. Also want to thank our producer Colin Thrash and each and every one of you. I'm Dean Linkey. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps.
0: Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.